When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middlebrooks, nothing personal word of the day is Middlebrooks, as in Will Middlebrooks. It's a Samson sit-down. We are getting you ready for the playoffs, which begin today. And we are going to talk about the season all with our good friend, CBS Sports HQ MLB analyst. Has his own podcast, which is awesome if you haven't listened to it. And he is actually an analyst on Nesson, where you can hear him talk about the Boston Red Sox and the great season they had. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Will Middlebrooks. What's up, Will? Good morning, David. Uh, you know what? I, I told you this the other day. I always feel honored to come on here as, as a guest because you never have guests. So I have to uh, be either doing something really right or really wrong for you to bring me on here. So I'm, I'm curious to see what it is this time. Well, we'll see what your thoughts are on these subjects, but I think the more people who get to listen to you, uh, you are the rare combination of someone who is as good off the field as you were on the field. And I'm not even talking about personally as a father or a husband. I'm talking about at your craft. I have been around a lot of people and you take your craft and what you're doing now so seriously and more people should listen to what you have to say because you give thought and you have reasons behind your opinions and too often in our business, there's a bunch of gas bags with hot takes that have no idea what they're talking about. That's why I like working with wow. you, Will. Well, thank you. I, I, I didn't know where that was going when you started. You said you're as good off the field as you were on it. I was a 228 hitter in my career. So I was like, where is he going with this? But thank you. Thank I've you. Told I, the story, I, really, Will, I do appreciate that. Will, so many times I've told the story about you and, and how untouchable you were as a member in the Red Sox organization and how many times we tried to trade for you. Will, our relationship, which just started three years ago or four years ago, it would have been long lasting if we had ever gotten our hands on you. And who <laughs> knows what would have happened in your career, but uh, you, you were something. Do you remember how good you were? I do. I do. And I, and I say that humbly, uh, you know, I, I do. And I am grateful for health when I was playing, you know, I, as you know, injuries ruin a lot of people and that's just part of it. That's part of the gig. That's part of what comes uh, as a professional ball player trying to play every single day, 162 and 180 days. I think it's a little few more days now, a few more days off in there now, but it's a grind, man. But I, I loved it. And a um, lot, a lot of amazing memories from those years. Do you remember the moment when you realized that uh, it was not going to happen, that you were going to have to retire? Was oh, it? Yeah. Did someone rip the uniform off your back, or did you know to take it off? Well, when I, when I broke my leg in Philly in spring training in 2018, so I broke my leg two places, dislocated my ankle, had to totally reconstruct my ankle joint. It's tons of metal and fake ligaments and like placed in there now to hold it together, which it's that's a whole nother story for everyday life now, but it's fine. I can play golf and chase my kids around and I get, I don't need to walk to do this show. So we're good. But, um, I rehabbed from, so that happened at the, it was the second game of spring training. So it was 
February like 28th, I believe, something like that. And um, I rehabbed for a, almost a full year. I got to January uh, here at Cressy Sports Performance and just realized my agility, my first step quickness, um, the nerve damage that was in there. My foot and toes were still numb. I just couldn't, it was like a ghost foot. I couldn't like tell where it was all the time. So I would just trip a lot. Uh, at that point, I realized I don't even know if I'm going to be able to, you know, not even worried about the big league level. I was thinking about signing the minor league deal. I had teams reaching out. Hey, can you do this? We're going to sign you to a minor league deal. And I just, I couldn't do it. And uh, at that point I went into like hiding for like three, four months before my three months before Jenny told me to get off my ass. And uh, Hey, by the way, you have a show tomorrow. That's exactly how it went. Hey, you have a show tomorrow. I would go get a haircut, shave. Um, If you have a shirt, iron it, figure it out. Here's your four topics you know to talk about. I hadn't watched a pitch of baseball up until May, whatever June, whenever it started at, uh, at CBS, and um, so I had to get on, dust off the laptop, figure out how to uh, research some things, and then the rest is history. Here we are. I remember your first day at HQ because I met Jenny before I met you. We're talking about Jenny Dell, Jenny Middlebrooks, uh, who is a rising star, if not a star already on CBS. You can see her in the SEC games as the sideline reporter running around the field like a chicken without her head and doing <laughs> such a great job of getting those interviews. So we talked on yesterday's show on Nothing Personal about players who get concussions and the impact it has on their lives. And we've seen what's happened with concussions in the NFL. And you just said something that wasn't supposed to be part of the show, but fascinating, that you realized quickly that you wanted to be able to play golf or chase your kids around or do things that your body wasn't going to let you do on the baseball field, but you wanted to make sure your body could do off the field. What is happening in football and many other places with brain injuries is there are people who can't be you, Will, who can't be in the media, who can't chase after their kids, and they make the decision to keep playing. So I give you credit for uh, knowing that you had a life to live and a lot of life to live. I was very close to going the football route as well. That was, I grew up in a household that my, my dad was an athletic director, a head coach, uh, an AD. Uh, when I got to high school, I was a quarterback. So he made sure that he was on the defensive side of the ball when I got to high school, because he didn't want to be like the coach's kid, you know, and all the opportunity because of that. Um, but I, I learned from an early age how to compete and all that because of football. And I wanted to go that route so bad. I was going to go to Texas A&M to play got an offer from the Red Sox and I, I could help my family and this and that and figured, Hey, if this had worked in a couple of years, I'll go back and play football. So I'm glad I did not go that route. Now, now speaking to tons of friends who did play and they didn't have, you know, career ending concussion problems, but they used to have issues regardless because of the constant day-to-day grind and just banging heads. If you had a son, would you let him play tackle football? Oh my gosh. Thank God I don't because I don't have to make that decision. And I, although Maddie is my, my oldest is pretty tough. She might push for it at some point, but um, that's a, that's, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because my love for football and my knowledge of issues later in life might outweigh that. So let's talk about the season. You know, people are not as we suspected when you and I were doing shows about the lockout and that 99 day lockout, the season was delayed We had to extend the regular season into October, which means the World Series is now going to end in November. And it seems like forever ago now, but as we predicted, no one remembers the lockout and everyone is focused on the season. We got through 162. 
The days off were different. The series were strange with six-game series, etc. Looking back on 2022 now, given the season's over, with the playoffs beginning, what would you say were your biggest surprises of this regular season? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. Um, Cleveland Guardians absolutely have been one of my biggest surprises. Their youngest team in baseball. I think their average age is like 26 and a half years old. Um, and they play baseball different than, than this era. They play old school baseball, which I think is implemented by Terry Francona, who is the manager of the year, in my opinion. Um, you know, edging out uh, Brandon Hyde and, and Baltimore and what he's done. So secondly, getting to that point, Baltimore Orioles. This, they lost 110 games last year, you know, and they, they, they over. sold at the deadline. Will you remember we went sold, out on the air what? to talk but about I, that? I am so glad they stuck. They had a, they have a blueprint. They have a blueprint of what their future looks like. And they stuck to it and they continue to win because the guys there, I think it goes beyond talent. Sometimes I know they're, I know talent's important. You got to have talent, but, uh, you hear culture shift. And I think that was, I got, when I was in the booth, I got to do a Baltimore game and I got to see it firsthand. Uh, these kids showing up and their attitude and things that we don't talk about in professional baseball, because you're professional, you're just supposed to have all these things ingrained in you and you're supposed to be a big leaguer and this and that you're not. Sometimes you don't have that. And you have, it's a learned uh, feeling. It's a learned uh, to, to be able to show up to a big league ballpark as a team and as a group, to expect to win every day when no one else expects you to win. That's a special feeling. And I think that's something that Baltimore Orioles are building. And there's definitely been a shift in culture at that, at that place. When you were a player, did you focus at all on ownership? There is a mess going on in Baltimore that is unbelievable on the ownership side. There's a family fight happening between two brothers who are running the team. Their father, Peter Angelos, longtime owner, is still alive, but totally out of it and not even the control person anymore. How aware were you as a player about anything going on in the front office? Let's be honest. If it didn't affect me, I really didn't care. Uh, I think that if you're an older player, if you've been there, if you're a Pedroia, an Ortiz, somebody who'd been there for a long period of time, you're more aware of those things because you've been around those people for so long. So you're a little bit more invested in their lives. Um, but I, I didn't care. I, I was, I was just focused on survival. Uh, you know, when I was young in the big leagues, I was w- with a veteran team. So I came in, I just wanted to get my work in. I wanted to show the vets that I was ready to play. I was prepared to play. I was sitting in corners, just watching my vets. Um, I didn't give two shits what was going on above me because it didn't, it didn't affect me or I didn't, at least I didn't understand if it did affect me, I wouldn't understand how it would. What about in a clubhouse after the trade deadline when the way the Brewers, and I want to talk about the Brewers versus the Orioles, the Brewers traded Josh Hader and then led by Christian Yelich, there was a bit of a youth revolt and the Brewers just absolutely went to hell in a handbasket and ended up not making the playoffs. Not necessarily blaming the trade, but certainly saying it didn't help. The Orioles at the trade deadline got rid of Trey Mancini. They traded their closer, and yet they had a different view. How do you explain that? Youth. Much uh, younger players who were still moldable, their their minds and, and my uh, mind frames were very moldable by just, just now getting to the big leagues. And they're, you're just told probably this is just how it is. And Baltimore was in a situation the past few years where they knew they were rebuilding. They were a hundred lost team. Um, so you kind of just say, Oh, well, whatever owners or whatever, whatever the team wants to do is, is the right move. Mancini knew he was getting traded all year. They knew that was coming. It wasn't a surprise. Um, the closer, I, I, 
if you were watch baseball at all, you understand how to sell high on a guy and compared to the rest of his career. I know he was a starter and a lot of guys go from the, from the rotation to the bullpen and find success, but this seemed like an outlier year for Lopez. I mean, I played with him in triple a uh, with the brewers when he came up and he, he couldn't throw strikes. He couldn't figure it out, but he also was a starter. So who knows? Um, but as a front office guy, Will, I sort of had the view that I wanted sprinkled veterans around, even if they're on the bench, because I thought that they would be able to navigate all Baltimore of the has that. difficult Baltimore. waters. Who is Who did Baltimore use? So they had Rugnet Odor. They had Robinson Chirinos, uh, two guys I played with in Texas who were great teammates, great clubhouse guys. Rugi's super serious and looks like he obviously all we remember is the batista punch in texas at second base uh but he is a phenomenal teammate he works harder than anybody i ever i ever played with um he's a jokester he keeps things light and robinson is probably the nicest guy i ever played with i think he is like the perfect vet because he's not going to crush you he's going to tell you exactly what you need to do um he's going to help you along the way he's just that nice of a guy and he understands he's been around for a long time i think he just got to 10 years service time and so you think that that was the difference where the Brewers did not have the nice veterans or the good veterans? I think the Brewers were in a position to win the division. The Baltimore Orioles were not. I think the the the, the older guys with the Brewers said, you know, why did you give up on us uh, when we were – they were winning the division when they, when they traded them, I believe, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, they were winning the division. Um, and they basically, what I feel like, let the analytical group make that decision, in my opinion, because he wasn't having a great year. He went to San Diego and and was worse, actually. Now, was that because of the move? We don't know. There's personal things in there that we don't understand or, or, or know, but um, maybe the analytical group saw a decline in his numbers and his spin rate and his axis of numbers and all this and that that we don't understand as players. That, that's how they grade us now. But why wouldn't we have gone down? So what we talked about is you go down to the clubhouse, you speak to your players because Milwaukee, like many of the markets, including Cleveland and every market but Boston and and New York and L.A., maybe Chicago, you've got to churn the roster. If you're going to stay competitive, you have to be looking always at next year and the year after. And I was always struck by the fact that players were always interested in what was happening this year. But even when they were signed long-term, they were still focused on this year. But front office, we had to focus on later years. And that hater trade was more about next year and the year after than it was about this year. And the Brewers like being competitive every year. They like making the playoffs every year. Why can't we just be honest with players and say, hey, we moved Hater because we weren't going to be able to have him on the team next year and make the playoffs, so we decided to go now. The reason we don't do it is we always thought that players just wouldn't want to understand what we were saying and wouldn't want to buy what we were selling. Would you have bought that if the Brewers GM David Stearns came down, President of Baseball Ops, and had told you the reason for the trade? There's a lot of clouded explanations in baseball. So tra any transparency is, is welcomed, especially as a veteran, as an older player. But maybe we look at putting some blame on those vets in that clubhouse because maybe they – clubhouses, when things aren't going right, clubhouses get real clicky, right? You have your groups here, your groups there, groups there. They're all gossiping. They're all talking shit about what's going on. As soon as that happens, you're dead. You're dead. That can't happen. That, that takes away the team aspect. So I think, number one – some transparency from the from the front office, whether it is to your made group of veterans or to the entire team, is needed. Uh, but secondly, maybe some blame is to be placed on Yelich and those guys for maybe letting that get out of hand inside the clubhouse. 
Are you telling me that you got along with everyone on your 2013 World Series champion Red Sox? That everyone got along with everyone? Because I'm going to cry BS if you are. Um, I did. I don't remember any massive disagreements. Um, I, me personally, I didn't have a problem with anyone. There were guys I didn't love, but you're human, right? There's still some guys you you don't like how they act or this and that. But as a teammate and inside the clubhouse, you turn personal feelings off. And I think that's when you're at your best, when you can just kind of turn your feelings and emotions off and everything is, we were good because we had one direction and we're, it's, it's so cliche and corny, but like the whole, like pulling on the same rope, like that, that is it. Like we had, we had this meeting in spring training and it was constructed by Johnny Gomes, who we just got, he was, we picked him up off the streets. Right. And, and um, he said, guys, like, let's just win. Let's just win it. Let's just do it. Like why? And it was this very simple conversation, but it's stuck. And then the Boston marathon bombings happened, which um, lit even more of a fire under us. Uh, to do it for the city and this and that. And um, after that, there was literally just, there was no disconnect in our clubhouse. And if you didn't like someone off the field, it just, I didn't love John Lester. I, I'll say it. I, I don't care. What's he going to fight me? I, not, I, I didn't love him, but I liked them as a teammate. Did you, you know, love I, him every five days? Oh uh, yeah, I did. I did. I got a lot of ground balls when he pitched that cutter in on guys, but like, I don't know. <laughs> Don't clip this and put it out there. I don't want it, everyone to hear, but I, there, there's guys you don't like off the it's field. Okay. I'm not, not going to hang. I'm not going to hang out with guys off the field that I, but at the field, I turn those personal feelings off. That was something I learned early in my career. You think Hanley Ramirez was popular in our clubhouse or in the Red Sox clubhouse? No, but they liked him. They liked him you, when you know he was what playing Trump's well. Personal feelings, winning performance. Yes. Winning and playing well. You can have the biggest douchebag teammate in the world, but if he hits 30 and 100, that's my boy. Do you think the Giants with Barry Bonds, that was an exception with Jeff Kent? Because they never won a World Series, but Barry was so good in his time, but he was so hated in that clubhouse by everybody. Uh, do you think that got in the way? Of, and that we're so off the subject, but it just made me think of it. You think that the Giants, their success – was hurt by the existence of Barry Bonds or his performance was so good that it makes up for all of the other stuff? That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't even, yeah, well, you got to think when they were, I was in like eighth grade when all that was happening. Like I, I wasn't fully invested in it. Like <laughs> actually, no, I wasn't. I, I was in high school. It. I was in high school. Come I was in high school. On. I was in high school. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, winning and, and and performance trumps everything. And I feel like, what was the issue between him and, and Kent? What was just, I know they hated each other and everyone hated them. They were they were just absolute enemies, fighting all the time. The clubhouse was it was a fiefdom where Bonds got everything he wanted. Kent was angry about that. It was just an absolute nightmare. I, well, is that really Kent's place to just kind of? He's the best player in the world. Yes, he was at that time. No like, question. I mean, no the question universe, about it. There was no better hitter than, than Barry Bonds, a more feared hitter. And I don't know. I, I feel like I wouldn't care. I would just kind of, it's like Manny being Manny. Like he's just kind of doing his thing and you just keep playing. Well, I'm going to keep my nose out of your business. I don't know. All right. I just want to put you on the spot though. Well, something we're going to, we're going to switch, right? Because Bonds is whether he tested positive or not, right? Bonds is a steroid guy. 
and he has the home run record. You and I have both been very, very public about this. Aaron Judge did not and does not hold the home run record. Can we say it very clearly for the Correct. audience? Does does Aaron Judge hold the home run record? Oh no, he does not. Barry Bonds does. He had seventy three. Can Period. you imagine hitting eleven more home runs than what Judge did? This what it felt like. Judge hit a homer every day up until the last two weeks of the season, and then it was those two homers. But no, he doesn't. He holds the American League record. Yeah, I'll give him that because that's yes, what he did. does. Um, he beat and, and I'm not record. taking a thing away from Aaron Judge because he, it, that was a phenomenal season, but the seventh most homers all time. That's all it is, by the way. The seventh most all time. So well, do you have him as the – everyone's talking about the I American do. League MVP, Judge versus Otani. Who oh, do you have? Oh, my God. No, don't do this. Yes. No. You're on the spot. You get one vote. You can't say both. One vote. It is very hard because <laughs> – I will give you a vote. I'll give you a vote. I understand. Uh, I think Otani has the fourth best ERA plus and the fourth best OPS plus. Um, and he qualified, by the way, for both. Right. Yesterday, as of yesterday, what, 162 innings, right? Yes. Um, I do not want to become numb to what Shohei Otani is doing. I won't. I don't want to be, what's the word, desensitized mm-hmm. to. That's a big word for a kid that didn't go to college. I can't to spell his, it, but I know how to say it. All right? To his greatness. Desensitized to his greatness. I don't, I don't because um, I, I think it hurts that he's West Coast as well because we don't get to watch him as much. And he plays for a shit team, uh, which is uh, – I, I hate that. And it drives me insane that they have Mike Trout and Otani on that team and do nothing every year. Uh, but that's not what you're asking. I'm going to go with my, my brain instead of my heart, and I'm going to pick Otani. So I have been very loud about this. Judge is the absolute favorite. I think Coca told me on a show recently, he's like minus 20,000 or something to be the MVP. Which is crazy that it's not closer. A runaway, right? Apparently it's going to be a runaway, according to the odds makers. And I don't get it. And, And what people are saying is, and this is what I wanted to talk about. If you give it to Otani last year, over Guerrero, people said, well, then do you have to give it to him every year? And the answer is you don't have to do it every year if someone has a great year where Guerrero had a good to great year, but judge, this is a historically great year, almost a triple crown winner. So you better give it to judge now because if you don't, you'll have to give it to Otani every Every year. year. (laughs) And I think that's the worst logic of all time because Otani, to get it every year, it's not just that he has to pitch and hit. He has to be good at pitching and hitting. Not even good. Not even good. You fourth best ERA plus. Fourth, he was elite. He was in the top five of everything. He's an all-star pitcher and an all-star hitter. And he saves a roster spot, but he's also going to get paid like two roster spots. <laughs> well, he agreed. He's oh, only getting $30 million I, I have next a question year. for you. I have a question for you. Go. Do you think him signing that is because his agency said it will be much easier to move you and you can go play somewhere else? No. You because don't. there is no team who would not trade for Otani on a one-year $50 million deal. They would find no, a way to take it. No, but I'm saying, what if he pushed for a, a a a bigger extension? You know, the longer contract. You know, that I would be that harder the, to move. If the Angels offered him something that he wanted, he would take it, and he could just have a no trade clause uh, in order to control his destiny. 
I I personally think a deal was done between the Angels and Otani when he came out of Japan on an, a long-term extension, and he, that that was against the rules and not allowed. But I think it was agreed to because otherwise, why did he go to Anaheim? Forgetting the fact he's on the West Coast, there's plenty of West Coast teams who wanted him. He could have been a Yankee. He could well, have been anywhere. you think this thirty million dollar this uh, basically arbitration deal was 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 predetermined, like? It is one of the very few explanations I can come up with because there is no reason to have him sign in October. It has nothing to do with the ownership change. It has nothing to do with the manager. It has nothing to do with the payroll. It has nothing to do with trading him, signing him. There is no reason in the world. People have it wrong. Even Mike Trout yesterday said, hey, it's great that he signed a one-year deal. He must be so committed to what we're doing and the fact that we're going to spend money and try to win. That's horse hockey. It's arbitration. They paid him four and a half million dollars last year, and they still couldn't add enough talent around him to to be a good ball club. What are and they going to do with money. less money? They they it. spend money. Things that bother me about the the NM Angels, like the Miami Dolphins, to me, it's not that the owners don't spend money. They're just that they don't spend it in a way that leads to winning. And it is very very bad for baseball to have Trout and Otani spend October not playing. I'm looking at these wild card card matchups and I'm thinking about this postseason and to not have two, and I could argue three of your top five players, which is Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, and Fernando Tatis. While the Padres are in it, he's suspended because of steroids. You're missing three of your top five faces of baseball, and you're trying to figure out who are we promoting? What are we doing here? And yeah, I can't find a fan who can name four members of the Cleveland Guardians or the Tampa Bay Rays. I can't find one, and we're in the business, and we look at that series of Guardians Rays and wonder why it's in the worst time slots and wonder why ESPN is despondent about that series. And that's because there's no marketable names, great teams, but no marketable names. And you've got Otani and Judge, Otani and Trout who are sitting there watching. It is insane, Will. It is. And I I think another reason that the Judge, um, the the value of his MVP right now also is we had the chase for 62 shoved down our throat for three weeks. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So Crazy, that's, right? Everyone's like, oh, you got it. Like, great season. And you're totally not talking about Shohei Otani. It's just kind of East Coast bias. And that's just kind of how baseball goes a lot of times, which is now good for the Mariners to be somebody. And the Dodgers are winning 110 games. But we don't really even talk about the Dodgers, which is crazy. And they're one of the best teams of all time. It, it's it's strange when a team has been great for as long as the Dodgers have been great. People tend to say that it's so normal that it's not worthy of a topic. Uh, it's going to be a topic because we're going to get predictions for Pennant World Series. But let's start with the wild card series. Let's start with these rounds. So the first one I want to talk about with Coca here listening in, producing this show, we got the Mets and Padres, two organizations who have a problem because one of them is going to be out by Sunday. And these are two organizations that wanted to be playing deep into October. They did not want to play each other because the pressure is on both of them. So there is going to be one team who is going to say, wow, this was a total failure. Who's it going to be, the Padres or the Mets? If DeGrom throws game one, Mets in two. If DeGrom throws game three, then Mets in three. So they announced Scherzer starting game one. Okay, they did announce that. Okay. Yeah, so so does that mean now that you have the Padres winning game one and then the Mets winning in three? No, I would have – no, I think Scherzer – I think Scherzer pitches well. He'll, he'll go – is it Darvish? Yep, Darvish Scherzer. Darvish and Snell have been really good down the stretch too. Very I good, think, shockingly. I think if it's Snell and Bassett, I would assume, then but, I would think the San Diego Padres win number – think win game two. And then we see a game three uh, with the Grom winning that. So I, I take the Mets in the series. I just think they're, I think they're a better team. Why are you holding Degrom until game three when he could pitch game two? I don't know. I feel that's that shows me they don't trust their their team. <laughs> Why not? I yeah, I, I would throw him game two. I think, I think they don't want to have that. Let's say, DeGrom, well, okay, look at Degrom September. I think he had four starts. He had a six ERA, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're not, maybe they don't feel like he's all the way back yet. So maybe the extra rest maybe will help him. Um, they got a problem then, Will, because this year's playoffs, because of the lockout, there are much fewer, many fewer off days. And so when there are so few off days, deep rotations are going to matter in a way that has not mattered before in the playoffs. When you, even with, with all the off days last year, do you remember when we were doing the world series last year? And there were openers, and they, we, we, there were TBAs. No one knew who was going to start when. You had bullpen starts multiple times. It was just yeah. insanity. This year is going to be somewhat similar because they're going to require depth and rotation, and the Mets are going to have to get something out of someone other than Scherzer and DeGrom. They could look to Bassett or Carrasco or Walker. They have not announced who their starter will be for the second game or third game. I assume it will be Bassett. But that said, their strategy, if they if Scherzer wins, there's a rumor that they will hold DeGrom for a deciding game three and let Bassett go game two. And my problem with that is Jack McKeon taught me when you can win, you go for the win right then and there. You do not wait because anything can happen in a one-game, game, game seven, and that's what game that's, three that's is. That's a good point. And I, I still like the Mets here. I think the Mets are still a better team. Um, 
And you look at how do you beat elite pitching in today's game? You hit home runs, right? You got to hit home runs because you're not going to string together multiple multiple hits in anything. You're not going to manufacture runs off Church or DeGrom, these guys. Even number threes now, nowadays, like home runs are still important. Padres were 20th in home runs this year. They don't hit a ton of homers. So I feel like that puts them in a hole a little bit. We saw how, how did Atlanta beat the Mets? They swapped them by hitting home, big home runs, you know? Do you remember the deadline when Juan Soto went to the Padres with Josh oh, Bell? my gosh. And everyone said, that's it. The World Series odds. CBS went breaking news. World Series odds. Padres go from, minus, from plus 1,800 to plus 900. And everyone, A.J. Preller, the greatest Josh GM. Hader. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they won the trading deadline. They're this, they're that. They could be out in the wild card. Do you think that what they did getting Soto, uh, what did you think of that trade at the time? What do you think of that trade now? I love it. I think that was the right move. Uh, now, you can't predict a player to not play well, especially a Juan Soto. You look at, like, I think it was his breaking balls. He, I think in his career, he's hit, like, 280 off breaking balls. This year, he's hitting, like, 210. So, he's just struggling in certain areas of his game. But, yeah, he, was, he had a slow first half with, with uh, Washington. But you look at the overall body of work, you think, oh, he's just – he needs out of there, change the scenery, get him going again. And he just hasn't. I mean, he's been worse in San Diego. And yep. um, they counted on putting Soto together with Tatis. Remember, they did that trade, and then Tatis tests positive. That so AJ Preller, I guess, has an excuse if the Padres lose. I'm not sure what Buck Showalter or, or Billy Epler did he has know about. Excuse. Did he know about that at that point? You think? No, we don't find out until the day of. Okay. It's one of the things that I always wanted to change. I wanted notice, and the only notice we would ever get for confidentiality purposes, and we had plenty of players suspended, most notably, let's say, D. Gordon. We got the call the day that it happened. We were not aware at all of everything that had gone on beforehand. With all the leaks that go on in the commissioner's office and with the union, for whatever reason, they keep it tight when it comes to steroids. Interesting. I, I thought there might be a little bit of a window where you would know. But that's good to know. It's right day of, and it's the it's the worst phone call you can get. I I was D. Gordon, I have no by the way, sympathy. The D Gordon when he got banged, I, I that was the most surprising steroid case I ever seen. He's not a big I, guy. I, I understand wanting to be healthy and stay on the field and this and that. But that was the last guy you you would peg as as a guy to take PED. We had just signed him to a long term deal, and he was so good, and then he was gone. And it was just so unbelievable to me that he would, would have done that to us, that it, uh, it was incredibly disappointing. And, now and then I got to thinking name. he must have done the steroids before he got the long-term deal. And then why not just stop, right? Like, I, I just, the whole thing is so... I just feel like, I don't understand how players think they're going to get away with it because testing is so in-depth and uh, constant. Like, they say it's random, but every time I ever had a good week, test every you time. think they tested albert pujols in september aaron judge Probably you think not. they had one random test uh no neither Probably do not. i i understand not the business one. side of it too but i i don't think i don't i don't think anything i don't think pools is roiding uh that i will never no i don't think i i think he understands the business and maybe understands that he wouldn't be tested i just don't think he would risk his whole career to get to 700 and steroids don't work that way either where it's just like, oh, let me take this and I'm going to hit more homers. It doesn't work that way. Did no, you like coming off the field, Will, and seeing the guys and, and having them like, point not you me, out? Not me, not me, not me. Please don't be me. And they go through Tell the, me, walk the trainer, me through that. The trainer will come get that. you. Hey, you got to go pee or you got to give blood or whatever it may be. Yeah, I hated it. After the game and you're like dehydrated and like you can't pee and you're just sitting there waiting. The worst was in spring training, like 6 a.m. 
and you're just like crushing water trying to pee because you, you peed when you got up at the house 15 minutes before you got to the stadium because you get there at 5 36 in the morning get your lifts in all that and then you can't go and they're just following you around throughout your routine i'm going to foam roll and stretch and lift and they're just watching me and i feel bad because i'm like I don't feel that bad. I mean, it's their job, but it's just annoying that they, they, they will follow you for three, four hours if they have to until you have to pee. I want to make sure that people heard what you said because I may have been talking over you, but it's hilarious and I saw it with players. You come off the field and there's men waiting to watch you pee after a game and that's the remnants of it and the players are always praying to God it's not them, please not me, not me. Not because they're doing steroids, because it's such a pain in the ass yeah. to actually have to have a guy there watch you take a pee. But I am um, I'm way more cynical than others and it's not just the experience and I wonder whether as a player you had that level of cynicism where and you you touched on it but please expand that when you had a good week did you feel like you were tested yeah most of the time yeah I mean what you're I remember saying. playing with David Ortiz and obviously you know he had his history he never failed a test but there was like the report and all that uh back in what, 01 I, I guess yeah, it was before the testing it was started. before testing it was like the uh the, the test run they did um but who even knows the legitimacy of that so uh, but David got tested more than any player I ever saw, ever. But he was also really good all the time, and he was a big guy and hit a lot of homers. I saw him get tested three times in a like a five day period. Yeah, there's nothing random about it. We no, call it's it not random, random drug and testing. There's, there's guys, your last guy on your roster that has one test the whole year, and it's in spring training, right? And you're like, come <laughs> so on, like. True. That, what if he's taking it to just stay in the league, right? And they'll never know. He's obviously doing it wrong because he's still the last guy in the roster and he never hey, plays. This is my humble brag. I have two AL Player of the Week watches. You know how they give you the watches. Not, you know, they're not like wearable watches, but they're like basically like little cool trophies that you can set up. And um, anytime I won those, over the next two, three weeks, I would have four, four tests, three, four tests. <laughs> So you don't think it's a big story if MLB did not randomly test Judge or Pujols through the entire month of September? I think I wanna, it's a big story. I want to know if they did. I'm curious, but I doubt it. So when, next time you speak to them or next time you speak to David, find out because I know he's asking. People are asking. All right, so we got Mets, Padres. You're going with Mets. I'm going with Mets as well because I don't want A.J. Preller to win anything. Let's go to the second series. Guardians Rays, the one that everybody's talking about. Two organizations that are run so, so well. The two of the top three front offices in all of baseball are Cleveland and Tampa. They are playing each other. The Rays, in my opinion, tanked in order to play the Guardians in the postseason. Did they make a good decision? Nope. I think Cleveland wins it in three. <laughs> I think the dream stays alive. I, I think they're the better team. And I know I, I, they're just different. They played the old school ball, right? They, they don't strike out. Um, I like their rotation too, but Bieber, McKenzie, I think Quantrill will be their number three. Yep. Um, and their bullpen's top three. five in baseball. Their bullpen's nasty. I know they're scrappy, little no, nobody, big name outside of Jose Ramirez, but they're a really good team. But they're playing themselves. They are. So it's a flip of a coin, but that's why – I don't know. I give the edge to Tito here over Cash. Cash so, played for Tito. 
two great managers. People, this right. could be it for Terry Francona. It's taken a toll on his health. I think it is. If you have not watched the Cleveland, uh, I was about to say Cleveland Indians. If you have not watched the Cleveland Guardians, um, you're not alone. But now's your chance. Obviously not the most primetime games here during the next weekend. But they're really, really an interesting team to watch. I am going with the Rays, however, and here's why. I have learned over the past four to six years that any time I pick against the Rays, the Rays prevail because they're that good and they it's find so a way. So I, I can't. I think the Guardians are a better team, and I think you should never tank to play a specific team in the playoffs. That whole BS that was talked about where teams were going to choose their opponents, remember that was part of the collective bargaining? Can you imagine as a player what bulletin board material that would be? Hey, you want to play us? us? Yeah. That's that's so brutal. Yeah, brutal. I, I just, ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. I'm yeah. taking the race. I'm taking okay. the race. It All should right, be next. actually. It's it's a boring series, but a very good series if you're a baseball fan. It's a great series if you're a I baseball love fan. I love it, but it's not the big names and you know. All the, the the glittery guys. So let's go to some big names. Let's go to Cards Phillies. Mm. We got to talk about Albert Pujols. I want to give him a few moments of love here because I've been critical about him in the past only because I've been truthful where I don't believe he is the age he says he is, which means he's even better. That's even more than, impressive. <laughs> than what he's doing, right? If he's, he's older than his listed age and he's doing what what is just unbelievable. Uh, he has never tested negative positive at all. And so the assault, he gets the benefit of the doubt. He was finished. And I mean finished. And not just for a month, but for years. And then all of a sudden, in this last half, it's been insanity. Is this sustainable? Cards, Phillies, tell me about this series. I think if we see another three-game series, and I like St. Louis. I mean, the great job of the Phillies ending the 11-year drought. Um, I'm still buddies with a couple guys over there from when I was there in 18. So I'm happy for them to, to get to this point. Schwarber went off the end of the year. He's a good big game player. I just I like St. Louis more. Um, I think they have more depth in their in their rotation. I know it's a three-game series, and they have uh, Phillies have Wheeler and Nola, and you can you can win the series that right there if you, if you do. But they're, I think Phillies bullpen stinks. Uh, I think St. Louis bullpen is much better, and we know how important bullpens are going to be in, in these games mm -hmm. with mixes and matching analytics and this and that. What about the lineup um, for the Cardinals? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I like good. their lineup. Two, two so uh, MVP candidates, right? So um, I like I like St. Louis. Yeah, you got Goldsmith and Arnato floating around in there with that pitch in. I just think they're a better team. So Goldschmidt is going to win the NL MVP to me. And yep. he could have won the Triple Crown, but he lost to Schwarber and Alonzo and RBIs, and he lost an average. Who won the AL batting title? Uh, oh, of Arez instead of Judge. That's NL, was, oh, they're in the NL. McNeil? Uh, McNeil of the Mets won. So the Mets have the batting champion. They have the two best pitchers. They have the RBI champion. They won 101 games, and they've got to win two out of three against the Padres. Oh, my God, that is horrific. Sorry to all you Mets fans That's out there. That's just how good and – and we don't have to dig too deep into this, but – I don't think the Mets collapsed. They didn't lose the division. The Braves won the division. The Braves no are question. peaking at the right time, and that 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 three game series they swept. Um, they just big they big boyed them. They they big brothered them. When we do a preview of the next rounds, uh, people may be saying the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, but for me, the Braves are a more complete team. One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. Which is amazing. The, the Braves. The the I've never seen so many question marks on a 100-plus win team than the Dodgers have right now. Starting pitching and bullpen. Their offense is great. But Their closer. They don't have a set closer for the playoffs. 
Coin flip and with Kimbrel. Kim, Kimbrel's a coin flip. What uh, Trinan, Gratterall's, they've both been hurt. Which Kershaw are you going to get? Which Gonsolin are you going to get? He had a forearm. The guys don't really come back from that without Tommy John. You need your so, Reyes to be your number one starter, period. He's been untouchable in the second half, like a 1-1. One, yep. one. They're going to, I think they go with him game one. They oh, should. Yeah, he's their he's best given pitcher. up nine earned runs since the All-Star break. Unreal. So I'm going with the cards over the Phillies. Here's why. Uh, I don't want the Phillies to be rewarded for the way they operate, which is, as John Middleton, their owner, says, we spend stupid money. They sign free agents. Uh, they they try. I can't blame them for trying, but they do it in a way where they're overpaying so many players. And there's something about Bryce Harper. I don't know what it is. He's MVP winner, great player, but there's something about his teams that they don't win. And I don't want to say that he's like Trout, where Trout's teams don't win or Otani's teams don't win. But there's something there that I can't quite put my fingers on. But they do have the nicest and best catcher who I ever saw play next to Pudge and JT Realmuto. And I'm happy he's in the playoffs. He was one of the top two guys in terms of games played without a playoff appearance because he was a Marlin and a Philly. Uh, But he finally gets to do it. But I think it's going to be a short stay. He went to the same high school that my dad went to. Carl Albert time. High School in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, we, we we scouted him at that high school. Yeah. Yeah. Carl Albert, Titans. Yeah. My dad got his picture all over the wall there. He was a good quarterback back in the 70s. That's sort of <laughs> cool. Is JT's picture there now, too? I'm sure he has more pictures than my dad. My dad <laughs> was a high school football coach for 40 years, not a big leaguer. <laughs> so, we're, so we're both going cards. One more series. Blue Jays, Mariners. Oh, yeah. lot to talk about in this series. The the Mariners are going with their newly acquired trade deadline, newly signed five-year, over $100 million deal with Luis Castillo, the guy who we just gave away, gave him away as a Marlins president. And he's starting game one for the Mariners. You've got Alec Manoa going game one, a Cy Young candidate for the Blue Jays. What do you think of this series? I know the travel situation sucks. Uh, for Seattle, I hate they don't get a get a home game because T-Mobile would be unbelievable. That I mean, I was there for Kings Court and that place was rocking. I can't imagine a playoff game uh, that you haven't had in 21 years. Um, I'm going Seattle, and I know how good Toronto is, but I think the rotation is better for Seattle. Castillo, this is why you went and got him to to put him in this spot in Game One for him to put you up 1-0. I think he throws a gem. I do think. Robbie Ray gets hit around a little bit in game two. Um, I don't like lefties against that lineup uh, in Toronto because they are right-handed heavy and they mash. And they know Robbie Ray. He played with them. Um, And then I think Logan Gilbert, the kid, if he's in – I think he's pitching game three, he'll he'll lock it down. I think Seattle wins it in game three and moves on. So you're you're saying – I mean, you're a dream for MLB. You have four game threes. Yeah. Just, I think you had game three for everyone. Just for the record, I'm saying the Blue Jays, since I have the Blue Jays going to the World Series preseason was my preseason pick, so I they can't get to the World Series unless they get out of the wild card round. Right. The Mariners broke that playoff drought. Uh, it's the, the one thing that I will mention about the Blue Jays lineup is it is way, way deeper than Seattle's lineup. It is, and I'm, I'm picking, this was a pick like with my heart. I think I just like want, I want Seattle to do well. Um, yeah, that means the one thing Seattle doesn't do is score runs like they, they they lean on their pitching very well, you heavily. Sort of need that to win right you have to score more than the other team david <laughs> so um that's that does scare me a little bit just because of that but they they had the it's they have the clutch it's like they play a lot of close games and find ways to win and i, I think just, the title of the episode the postseason. will the title of our episode is going to be you have to score more runs to win 
<laughs> I love that. All right. So now before we go, thank you for your time, by the way. I want to do this again throughout the month of October. But I need to know before we start who's coming out of the AL, who's coming out of the NL, and who's winning the World Series. You're going to be giving your predictions on CBS Sports HQ. So am I. But right now on Nothing Personal, who do you got? in the World Series, and who's going to win? All right, so in my in my ALCS, I have Houston and New York, and I have Houston winning that. Um, the, I mean, their pitching is top-notch, like top world. Uh, not just – their the bullpen's full of guys we don't know, but they get the job done every night. And then, obviously, Verlander and Framber are as good as they are. Um, the Yankees have a ton of bullpen issues, and the bullpens, as we talked about, come up huge. Uh, a ton of every games. issues. What was that? They have a ton of all kinds of issues. They have all, yeah, it's a good point. So I got Houston from the AL, and then I have I have to point this out because I I think the Mets beat the Dodgers to get to the CS series to play against Atlanta. So love it. Yeah. So I got the Mets taking down the Dodgers to get to the to the CS against Atlanta, and then I have Atlanta winning that. So Houston Atlanta rematch rematch of last year, and I have Atlanta winning the World Series. So we are very similar. I have Atlanta beating Toronto in the World Series because I had a preseason, so I'm sticking with it because that would be so cool. I think people are sleeping on Atlanta, and uh, they shouldn't because we'll have the first ever champion back-to-back since they 1998 through 2000. They are the most complete team, a suffocating lineup. They have aces in their staff. If they get Strider back, which he's supposed to be back by the DS, they have four legit options. Charlie Morton's your worst option in starting pitching, and he pitches big games his whole career and done well. So, And then their bullpen. Adding Rossell Iglesias was massive for them to be Great able to pitch the seventh or eighth inning. And, you know, and Can you explain how hard it is to people <clears throat> quickly to win a World Series and then the next year have probably the top two rookies in all of baseball on your team and what – that means about the organization and what you think is a veteran player when you see man we got rid of freddie freeman but my god here's matt olson and look here's harris here's strider look at us go it's got to yeah, be i feel good. like most of the time when teams win a world series they sell high on a lot of guys and then the next year sucks like that that was it for me you know we got rid of a lot of guys because they they peaked in their careers in that year because you feed off of each other and you feed off of winning and 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 being in those big games. And then uh, the next year, it's like, what do we have left? And Atlanta started so slow that I was going, oh, here we go. You know, a little hangover, right? And then they got hotter than hot in the second half. I mean, they got hotter than hot starting mid-May. Um, but I, that front office is just – I feel like they just I mean, going back to last year, look at the, the acquisitions they made at the deadline that ended up being their biggest pieces in the postseason. And then this year, I think Iglesias is one sneaky, one of the biggest pickups in all of baseball. Baseball is such a copycat league. Atlanta got Rosario, Soler, and Duvall at the deadline last year, all of whom helped them win the World Series. Then the Marlins, not under my watch, signed Soler to the long-term deal, ruining the day, right? Like you, when you're late in baseball, which we're such copycats, we always want to do what everyone else did, but you end up getting so screwed. And there's example after example of great players one year and they just aren't able to put it together or it's just that type of year and then they get paid for it and it turns out to be great for the player and terrible for the team copycat doesn't work because when everyone's doing it it doesn't stand out when you have one team that does it it stands out and there's the difference maker i don't know 
So there you have it. That's Will Middlebrooks telling you that the Braves are going to repeat. I'm telling you the Braves are going to repeat. Is there a chance that we're both right? It Absolutely. seems almost impossible. And, if, hey, and you can believe if we are right, we're getting drug tested right after. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> I'll follow you around for four hours waiting for you to go pee In my skimpies. All right. Will, thank you so much. Thank you, David. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.